0: How often do you look for treasure in life scars? In what ways can we look after our mental and emotional health? And who are you having open and honest conversations with? Welcome to the Kintsugi Hope Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to the Kintsugi Hope podcast. Um, It's great to have you with us. My name's Jess. I work for Kintsugi Hope as the communications coordinator and I've got the absolute privilege of recording this podcast and today we have Rachel Newham with us. Um, Rachel um, is the founder of Think Twice. She is an author of um, nearly two books. Uh, One's coming out later this year and her first book is called um, Learning to Breathe and she's also a public speaker and um, Rach it's great to have you with us today. It's great to be here. Well oh, thank you so much for giving us your time um, and whether you're listening over on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts it's great to have you with us and we hope today's conversation that we have is um, really helpful, that it's insightful, that it gives you some Um, top tips on maybe if you're struggling. We just want this to be a really honest conversation about some difficult topics that aren't sometimes talked about very often Um, today we're going to be talking about depression and what that looks like um, from Rachel's experience, um, her expert opinion and as a mental mental health advocate and um, yeah so we, Rach, it's so good to have you here and I want to start by asking you why do you do what you do?
1: Great question because I guess it's a weird job. I basically spend excuse me, my life writing and speaking um, about depression and suicide and and other mental health issues, which is, I mean, it's certainly not what I thought I would end up doing. Um, I guess it's twofold. So the first is that I have been a Christian since I was five. And so working in the kind of Christian world, I guess, um, and doing some kind of full-time Christian work has always been part of my plan. When I was five, I wanted to be a um, missionary in Rwanda until I realised quite how far away that was. Um, but since kind of my my early, my late teens, actually doing something around faith and mental health has been um has been the, I guess the goal. Um, I was really ill as a teenager with depression, particularly between the ages of kind of 14 and 21. Um, And kind of from that experience, the desire to help the church in particular, um, understand mental and emotional health better. Um, And to be able to kind of engage theologically with those issues has been my heart's cry. Um, And so kind of all of my work in random different bits um, has been about that, about kind of talking about mental health and reflecting on it theologically for the church.
0: That's great. And why is that an important thing for you, for the church to reflect and create that space where they can talk about that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so when I was younger, so when I was about 14, and I began to get ill, and there was, the church weren't really talking about mental health issues at all. Um, So I had people who were in my life who were caring for me, who were amazing, my pastor and my youth worker and the chaplain of my school. Um, But actually, there was no in terms of kind of me finding resources to help myself with my faith and mental health, there wasn't anything around. Um, And when I was um, 16, I was in a psychiatric unit for the night and I had this really, I mean, it was a horrendous experience, but I had this really strong feeling that um, we've got to shine in here. I had that phrase kind of buzzing around in my mind and I didn't really think much of it at the time. But as I got older um, and when I became a chaplain on mental health units um, in my early 20s, that kind of phrase came back to me that actually the church has such um, an amazing resource, I guess. Um, We have have God, we have um, Jesus who walked in human um, shoes and who experienced the fullness of humanity Mm. um, and the pain and the joy that comes with that. Um, And we need did a way I felt to, to bring those two things together. The fact that, you know, being a Christian doesn't make you immune to mental health issues, um, but it does give you um, a resource in dealing with it. Not that it kind of fixes it or, or a lightning flash healing for most people, for some people, yes. But in the main part, it's about knowing that Jesus is with you and walks alongside you.
0: Absolutely. And I wonder whether you could describe depression without saying the word depression, if that's possible?
1: So I guess it's like living life in grayscale. All the colour drains out of the world. It's at its worst, it's complete darkness and not being able to to see any light or hope. But in the day to day, actually, it's just not being able to engage with life in its fullness, Um, not feeling... Particularly sad, necessarily, but also not being able to to feel happiness or joy, um, and kind of everything just being a struggle. Mm.
0: That's great. That's really helpful. That's a really helpful way of understanding it. Because um, I guess everybody's everybody's journey, everybody's experience of depression um, is different, right? So it's completely it's really personal, and I guess. For me, I've never actually struggled with what I would say is depression, but I have struggled with low mood, um, which is often very—it's often, I guess, um, miscommunicated as "oh, I'm feeling a bit depressed." And we quite, you know, we chuck that phrase around, don't we? Um, but I guess low mood can be experienced from maybe um, having a bad day or getting some bad news or. A recipe not going the way that you wanted it to and you were really hoping it was going to be a really lovely recipe and it doesn't work out um but depression is entirely different mm. but can you can you explain the difference I guess for somebody who hasn't necessarily experienced depression what exactly does it, how does that manifest in its day-to-day life like how would you use that that analogy you just gave us with all the colors drained out of your life and out of the world everything seems really dull and grey. How else does it manifest in terms of its really practical nature?
1: Yeah, so as you said, it is different for everybody. Um, but I think one of the key features, um and indeed kind of speaking diagnostically, if you were to see a doctor, that this is the kind of thing they're looking for, is, is that um you are unable to enjoy the things you usually enjoy. And so it's not, you know, it's not that I would ever start enjoying football. Um but when I stop enjoying reading and the stuff that kind of gives me life, that's the sign for me that I know that I'm I'm getting ill. Um, but it's also, it's almost as if all the all the systems in the body get a bit depressed as well. So um, sleeplessness, not being able to um, get to sleep, or the opposite kind of sleeping all the time because you don't have the energy for it, and um, fatigue either one of those ways whether you're sleeping all the time or not sleeping at all and um, fatigue is a really central characteristic of depression um again with with eating so not not having much of an appetite or, or kind of comfort eating not being able to kind of be fully present in your relationships is often um, a feature of it but i think one of the most important things to know is that with depression it does look different on everybody um but it's Often around, are you able to enjoy the things you usually enjoy in life, um, and is it stopping you from doing from stuff, from doing normal life, from working, from and um, parenting, or whatever it is you're doing? Um, actually, when the the grey or the, or the darkness begins to um, interfere to that level, that's I guess what we might call some severe depression.
0: Yeah. And I guess like for you has your journey with depression like ended or is it like a continuation is it is it something you learn to live with every day like how does it look for you
1: yeah so for me it's about learning to live with it Um I still take medication I've been on medication for about a decade now um but it, that enables me to do life I guess and um, then of the time, um, it enables me to to kind of live the life I I want to live and need to live. Um, and for that 10%, it is the, the exhaustion is a massive thing for me. And, and when I begin to get ill, I just, I usually have a period of sleeplessness beforehand. Um, and then when it hits, ideally what I would do is go and just sleep it off for a few days, um, or however long it takes. Um, there's usually more tears um, and an inability to concentrate. Um, but for the most part, I can do life um, and it kind of tends to come, um, I have to describe it like a wave. You can kind of feel the wave um, beginning to gain momentum and um, you kind of experience a peak of that wave and then it does eventually um, kind of die down. Um, yeah, I think that's what it, what it looks like for me. So I'm I live with it, but I don't it doesn't ruin my life. I think it's probably a good way of putting
0: it. Mm, that's great. That's really helpful. And I guess like that that actually that wave is really that's almost That's a great image because it's almost like in order for that when a wave hits, it's powerful, right? Like it wipes you out. And I guess for you it's like is it something that you can ignore? Is it something that you can go, you know, I don't have time for you today. Or is it something that actually once it's hit, it's just like there's 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 no there's no ignoring it. Like you just have to go with it and listen to your body.
1: Definitely. And it's something I've I've learned over the last kind of 15 years is that actually the more, the quicker I take notice of it um, and kind of adapt my life towards it, the quicker it goes. And mm-hmm. um, when I spend kind of weeks and weeks kind of trying to fight a wave, um it tends to affect me more severely. And the peak of the wave lasts a lot longer. Whereas if I'm able to notice those signs um, and take some action, um, then I can, the wave tends to be smaller. But the, I guess it's like, I guess like with the sea, if you try and stop a wave, when it does eventually crash, it's gonna really crash. But if you're able to kind of tread water in it a little bit, um, but perhaps not resist it quite so much, it's not going to fail you in the same way.
0: Mm. And you briefly touched there on the fact that you take medication and you have been for 10 years. How have you found that experience? Because I know some, uh, some of my friends and some of my family take medication for their, for their mental health. Mm. And it's something they really struggle with having to take medication for their brain. Um, and, and there's almost, you know, medication isn't the answer for everybody. But right. because- some people it can make the world of difference and actually like you said it allows you to function it just allows you to just have the capacity to do everyday stuff um and to do your job to do whatever you need to to do during the day how have you have you struggled with the concept of taking medication for your brain and how have you or are you still in that journey of accepting that
1: it's a really interesting question actually because i don't ever feel I never particularly struggled with the idea of taking medication for my brain. Um, I've always had quite, um, I've had chronic asthma basically since I was born. So I've always taken medication every single day um, from, you know, for as long as I can remember. And so actually from when the doctor kind of said, you know, this can, this isn't a happy pill. um, And that, I think that language is really unhelpful because antidepressants don't make you happy. What they do is enable you to swim I guess if we're going to continue with the sea analogy um, and I'm loving it <laughs> I, I love I love a good analogy, analogy. Um, and antidepressants for me are, are the life raft that just keep you um, able to stay afloat they don't make me happy and um, they don't make my life full of joy but they enable me to keep my head above water um, in a way that I certainly couldn't do without them. Um, and, you know, over the years, I've gone back and forwards. of I've, I've lowered some dosage and um, I've gone back up again and then I've lowered it again and it's stuck for a little while. Um, but for me, it's very much like with my asthma stuff, I have to take medication. Otherwise, I could have an asthma attack that could kill me. Um, and I think very similarly in terms of depression for me personally, not for everybody. But for me personally, I need Antidepressant medication as much as I need my asthma medication, um and it's just about looking at it in that sense that you know I don't rely on it to to make me feel happy, but it does help me be able to live life to the fullest.
0: Mm, that's great. That's brilliant. I love I love that life raft um analogy. I'm I'm really I'm digging the sea analogy. By the way, I think it's great. I think we should. Con- I miss the sea. <laughs> Oh, me too. I can't wait to. I know one of. I grew up by the sea, and I just can't wait to see the sea again. Yeah, it's going to be a good day. Or go swimming abroad in the hot ocean. (laughs) It's going to be a good day. And so I wonder if for those who aren't struggling, but maybe know somebody who is, um, or maybe doesn't know somebody who's struggling with depression, but just know somebody who's just really struggling um, at the moment in terms of their mental health. Maybe that's just a more broad topic. Um, what are some things that you can say or do or be? Obviously bearing in mind that at the moment we're living in a pandemic. So there's there's certain limitations <laughs> of what we can do. Um, I would just love to go out for, dinner or go and see my friends and have a cup of tea but at the moment like obviously we're limited um what are some of those things that we can we can do or be or say um to help those who are struggling and on the flip are there any things that actually we should really avoid obviously that's personal for everybody um and everybody's kind of journey but are there things that we should avoid saying or avoid doing or avoid being um because I'm aware that particularly for me when my first kind of exposure to mental health happened I was I'm a, I'm a fixer I'm a I'm a doer I'm very task motivated so give me a give me a checklist um and I will try my best to tick everyone off um but sometimes fixing um isn't isn't the right mentality to have yeah can you share your insight on that
1: yeah I think It's easier to kind of pinpoint the things that are universally unhelpful to say than things that will be universally helpful, if that makes sense. Um, So telling somebody to pull themselves together or that they've got nothing to be depressed about or that people have it much worse in the world um, are generally things not to say. Um, They come out of of a place of wanting to help and, and often wanting to fix it. But actually a real acknowledgement that you can't fix the person you love. Um, you can't fix them in general Um, but certainly not when it comes to um, a struggle with mental health but you can help and I think the first thing is to listen Um, and listen not to speak but actually listen to what they have to say and in these strange times that might be over zoom it might be um, in a text it might be um, if you can go for a walk with somebody Um, that can be really helpful because actually there is a being able to talk to somebody who isn't looking straight at you can be helpful. Um, some people find it really helpful to, to email their friends about it, and actually then they can write it and kind of edit it themselves so that their words can be really understood. But kind of general phone calls, technology stuff can help as well. Mm-hmm. The second thing, I think, is to acknowledge that, you know, they aren't a problem to be fixed. They're a person to be loved. And through that, it's about saying, this is really hard and that's, it's okay that you're finding it hard. It's hard because it is hard, particularly now. And acknowledging that there is, you know, it isn't happening because they're not strong enough to deal with life. It's because it's an illness and actually they need to care in that. And um, So sending cards can be really nice, just kind of quick notes or whatever. And um, You can send brownies in the post now, you know for some people may be really good Um, if somebody's really struggling to the point where actually they're struggling to do the stuff they need to do with their day um, I would suggest if you're part of a church it might be worth organizing a meal rotor for somebody for a couple of weeks you know we're really good at that doing that when someone has a baby or breaks their leg or whatever it is but actually when somebody is struggling with their mental health asking them saying would this be helpful because I think asking somebody what can be helpful is important Um, they may come back and say, I I don't know, in which case you can kind of do what you have the capacity to do. But so often we can rush in and just swoop and be like, oh, okay, we'll do a meal rotor." and they're like, cooking is the one thing that actually Mm. uh, will rest from. So have that conversation, say, would it be helpful? Um, Make sure that they um, do speak to their doctor if they're really struggling. If they're struggling to do normal life stuff. Actually, the doctor is the first port of call. Um, and, you know, the NHS is still open. Um, there are waiting times that is difficult sometimes to access help. Help, But it is really important that the, the kind of GP is the first port of call in terms of um, responding to mental health issues, um, because they are the kind of, I guess, the gateway to, to further help and support. Um, and lastly, on a, on a kind of church-wide thing, actually, if somebody is struggling and needs a talking therapy but the wait is really long consider if they're um if you can kind of have a mental health fund at your church Um, you know again we we are able to help our, church, our community in lots of ways with food banks and um such like but actually would a mental health fund be helpful so that um somebody can kind of get started on a on a counselling journey or perhaps have a subsid have a have a subsidy to make it more affordable um so that people can get the help that they desperately need.
0: Mm, that's a great idea. Yeah. I think it's about all of us looking at what our capacity is and yeah. actually natural skills we have. Um, and I love the thing you said about actually asking the person who's struggling what can I do to help you? What can we do to help you? Because you're right. I love cooking. And actually when I, when I am struggling, that's one thing I really love to do is still, to, still to cook and dinner, particularly through the pandemic dinner has been one of those things that's kept me going. And um, it's like, what are we having for dinner tonight? I get excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody started bringing around meals, that would be lovely, but I would also be like, Oh, but I'm missing out on cooking. And, <laughs> um, I, through a bit of research, I found that it typically can take 10 years for somebody to start their journey with struggling with depression or mental health to then actually asking for help. And when you think about that 10 years, is just such a long time. Why do you think there is such a long gap in between somebody struggling and then somebody getting to the point of asking
1: for help? I think there are a couple of reasons. I think there's an idea that actually we should be able to cope with life and so if we don't feel able to cope there can be a lot of shame around that um i think sometimes people might may ask for help from the people around them and kind of not get what they perhaps need and so think oh okay well no one can help me um sometimes it's around a feeling of shame that actually you know i'm a christian i shouldn't shouldn't be struggling with my mental health and that I find really heartbreaking because actually I think Jesus came for those who um were the most in need. Mm. <laughs> I mean it says blessed those um who mourn for they will be comforted. You know, he he hung out with the people who struggled the most in life. Um and I think we I'd really love it if we were able to be there for the people who um are struggling most with life. But I also think it's a it's a practical issue for some as well, that they just don't, they perhaps know that they're amounting um, pressures on the healthcare care system and kind of don't want to, they don't want to bother people. Um, they don't want to take up space that they might feel is um, better serving somebody else. But I do think we need to be able to say, ultimately, we have to go and seek help if we need it. On the flip side, um, there's a lot of talk, I think, about um, people who need help reaching out. But I think we need to rethink that a little bit and say, actually, for many people, they aren't able to reach out. It's not something they can do. Um, And so as a community, as friends, as church, we need to be able to reach in and say. Can I help you? Um, And for some people, they need that kind of open ended. Can I help you in a more general way? But say, can you know, can I give you a lift? The doctor on we're out Can I, you know, would it be helpful if we you phone the doctors when we're on a walk so I can be with you um in that space? Um if you've got an appointment, can I, you know, could we sit outside so that I can do that? I think us not expecting people who are struggling to take the initiative all the time, um particularly at the beginning, is really important. <clears throat> Actually, you know, we don't we don't send life rafts out to people who are drowning and just expect them to get on with it (laughs) and you help them to to kind of put it on and and be engaged in that so yeah I think reaching in is really important
0: that's really helpful I wonder whether I could end with a question about how your faith has played a part in your journey Um, has it been a helpful thing has it Has it been like a has it been that life rough for you or has it has it almost added a complication to the whole journey
1: for you? It's been both, if I'm honest. Um so I think particularly in the early years, um it made it harder because I but actually that was a lot down to kind of my theology and thinking I remember thinking, you know, I can't I can't be a Christian to have depression because I have to be full of the joy of the Lord. And yet I've recently um been looking at that that kind of phrase in the bible is you know um the joy of the lord is your is your strength that i used as a real stick to beat myself with and yet when i have begun to delve into the story and i've written about it in um in my next book is you know that was a message for this the people at the time that nehemiah had to say you know they'd had this period of of mourning repentance and this was him saying it's okay you can rejoice in the lord you can um we can feast again that we don't have to be in this space of um condemnation and um, it's time to move forward and it's nothing to do with with saying to people who are struggling emotionally come on cheer up which I think it can often be misconstrued as and um, so I think at the beginning I, I really struggled um but actually now I find a real comfort in in the bible and in the fact that people struggled in the Bible a lot and there are countless stories of people who reach rock bottom but cry out to God from that place and are met with his love and compassion one of my favorite stories is is Elijah you know he runs away basically and says take my life Lord I've had enough and God responds with such beautiful compassion and practicality in that he says okay um sleep eat sleep eat now talk to me basically i paraphrased it a little um and i think that that is really important that we are able to to point to the bible not as something that will fix us but as something that we can say oh me too actually you know here is a language for what i am experiencing um and you know, perhaps we can use the language of the Psalms in our own prayers when we're not able to pray um, and take comfort in the fact that, you know, we read that the Spirit um, groans with us and intercedes on our behalf. Um, yeah, I think it is is the greatest treasure, but it can really hurt as well. Um, it's about kind of recognising that tension, but also recognising that faith was never meant to be a buffer that we never got hurt in life and um, it was meant as something we can hold on to when waters are storming to end the large.
0: lovely love the li- love love the link there um Rach if people wanted to read more about your story where's the best place for them to go
1: yep so um for more about the charity I run think founded think twice that's www.thinktwiceinfo.org um, and at think twice info on all socials um and then for more about um the book in the upcoming book it's www.rachelnewham.com um, and at rachelnewham90 um on instagram and twitter and facebook and all
0: those things all those things rachel thank you so much for your insight for your water and sea analogies awesome. Have been present throughout the whole thing. Um, I feel the ever growing need to go and see some water now. Oh <laughs> Hopefully, one day. And I really appreciate you making time and sharing your thoughts. Um, it's been really, really helpful. Um, really, really appreciate it. If you would like to know any more information about Kintsugi Hope or any of the topics that we discussed today, then the best place to go is kintsugihope.com. And you can check out loads of information there. And again, as Rach said, it's thinktwiceinfo.org if you want more info about that. And if you need any support as well about the topics that we discussed today, um, the best place to go is the website, um, www.com oh no wait www.com forward slash support is the best place to go there's loads of signposting there um and also um if you would like any more information about the wellbeing groups again the website is the best place to go for that as well um rach thank you so much for coming on today we're really really Bye. appreciate Thanks for listening to the Kintsugi Hope podcast. It's been so good to have you with us. Please remember to come back for more episodes and share with your friends and like and subscribe.